I'm Carlos Virgen, and this is The Storyline, produced by The Day in New London, Connecticut. Hey, Peter, uh, thank you for joining me on The Storyline. Um, how are you doing, and how is the family? How are things at, at home? Uh, we're getting by. I think now that we're, we're in, we're losing track of time. What, is this our third week of uh, being stuck at home? I think it's, I think we're into our fourth week. I, I'm the same way. I have no idea uh, during the week what day of the week it is, much less what like day of the month it is. Anyway, we're, we're coping. We're figuring out how to get work done and get the kids' schoolwork done. Yeah, same here. We've got, um, uh, we're on spring break right now, so we, we got a little bit of a, a, a reprieve from trying to keep track of what the kids are doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, but, but I wanted to talk to you about how um, the pandemic, the crisis is affecting your, your work as the, the multimedia director and, and as our chief uh, videographer. Uh, typically, you're out in, in the community uh, attending events to shoot video. You do a lot of one-on-one um, interviews where, you know, it requires close proximity with people. You're putting lavalier mar- mics on people. A big part of what you do and what the day does is our live coverage of local high school sports. Obviously, that um, is not happening. So what are you doing to continue to be able to tell these these important stories uh, through video um, and, and still bring them to the day's audience? So yeah, so obviously live sports are not happening. Um, right at the start of this, when the winter sports season got, or the winter sports playoffs got canceled, we put together a, a countdown of our favorite games from the past and posted the highlights. So we've been finding ways to, to reuse some of the material that we have. Um, I was able to do interviews with our all-area winter athletes of the year. Um, so in-person interviews are possible. Uh, obviously, there's additional precautions we have to take. So every time I go out, I'm wearing a mask, I'm wearing gloves, where in the past I might have done an interview up close, holding a mic at arm's length, or like you said, clipping on a lav mic. Now, I'm, if I have the time, I'm bringing an extra mic with a 20-foot cable and a mic stand and setting that up so I can talk to somebody from a distance but still be able to record their audio up close. Um, That then means I have a lot of extra stuff to clean and sanitize after the fact. So after any assignment, I'm wiping down all of my equipment, um, trying to leave stuff in the car or leave it in the garage and not bring it into the house. If I don't have the time to set up all of that equipment, so recently I did have the time. Uh, Vicky Fulkerson, our sports reporter, and I did an interview with Caroline Tabor, who was the day's softball player of the decade. Uh, she's she's in her senior year at Princeton right now. That season was cut short, so she's home at Mystic, and so we recorded a an interview with Caroline in her driveway reminiscing about her softball career at Fitch, and I was able to find some highlights from her high school career. Um, So that was something that we had set up in advance, had plenty of time to set up and then clean up afterwards. Um, Some other interviews are kind of done on the fly, and I don't have time to set up all that equipment. So when I was out talking to some New London residents who organize uh, every night at 7.30, go out, bang pots and pans, or play music for two minutes just to, to be more unified and connected. Those interviews I didn't have a whole lot of time with. And so instead of using my own microphone, I had the subjects of those interviews 
record themselves on their cell phone and then send me the audio track. Um, so it's sometimes it's taking extra precautions, other times it's finding um, technological fixes that can get me the the video or the audio that I need. And um, have uh, the, the the people that you've worked with, uh, uh, the people you've interviewed, have they been really pretty receptive to it? Have they been understanding of, of the situation? I imagine so. Yes. So I personally haven't run into anybody who does not want to, to, to talk or, or does not want to have a reporter with them. But I know some of our colleagues um, have... People are, I've run into people who are fine with talking on the phone, but when it comes to, hey, could we have a photographer come to your house, um, they don't necessarily want to have that contact. And rightly so. I mean, it's, right. it's understandable. Right. I mean, right. we, we are, as journalists, if we're out in the community, we are potentially coming into contact with more people, and it's, you know, it's our burden to try to protect ourselves and protect the people who we might be coming in contact with. Right. And with some of the stuff that you've been producing, it also has required that that the, the, the interviewee, the subject of the video, um, that they do a little bit more than they normally would. You've 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 been able to produce some videos where um, you've used video shot by by the folks that are the subject of the, the interview of the interview. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Rick Coster, our arts writer, and I have a story coming out probably next week, about local musicians and how they've had to adapt. Um, so what what we did was Rick conducted either phone interviews or sent out email questions, and we had the, the interview subjects record video of themselves and then send me that video. The big plan for this spring had been to go down to South by Southwest, which is a big um, music, film, and tech conference down in Austin, Texas. Right now would have been the halfway point through a six-week tour that we had planned, all the way out to the West Coast and back. We've got an album in the works with Noah and the Flood that's on hold. And so I'm combining... I can't even... For the their interview video that they shot for me with video of their live performances. That So, for example, Pocket Vinyl is a, a band with a piano player and a painter. And music and art is 100% of their income. That is their career. So they go out on tours throughout the year. That's how they make their money. They were just... On March 11th, they had departed for a tour across the country. It was going to be six weeks out to the West Coast. They played a show in Muncie, Indiana, and then that was the first show of their tour, and then they canceled it because they realized— the first and last yeah, show. Yeah, they, wow. they realized that it was it was not going to be safe and healthy to be playing in, in all these venues and asking people to come out and see them. Um, so they— every week now do a live stream show from their home studio office space. They're st they still create a painting and auction off the painting online and then mail it to people. So th they were able to at least have some of that income. Yeah, we've done that three times now. This will be the fourth show, I believe, and, and they, they have been pretty great. And we've been able to kind of, you know, make at least enough for groceries every week. Uh, we also talked to Noah Feldman and Daphne Martin, who are... They play more solo or, or duo, small band shows, and obviously, you know, they don't have the ability right now to um, to be hired by a club to go play a show. Um, coincidentally, they're both working on 
recorded studio albums that have had to be put on hold because they can't get together with their bands or travel to the studio where they want to record. Um, Hmm. So Daphne and Noah have both done some Facebook live streaming shows, um, but they don't necessarily have like the merchandise to sell to you. They can ask for tips. Like you can, you can send the musician a tip via Venmo or PayPal. Um, But for the most part, I mean, they're, they're just doing that less as a source of income right now and more as a, a way to express themselves artistically and to stay connected with their audience. It's definitely very different to talk to an inanimate object, uh, knowing that there's an audience behind it, uh, rather than having the exchange of energy that you have when you're actually talking with people. Right, and a lot of those shows tend to be pretty intimate because a lot of the, the time the, the musician is in their living room, in their bedroom, uh, and then oftentimes there's ways for, for the audience to to comment back and forth. I know that you're you're a big music fan, and I know that you kind of tune into some of these uh, live streams, as I do on Instagram. It seems like every other uh, live stream uh, feed on Instagram is, is a live music um, show. Um, so that sounds like the video really kind of shows the creativity of local artists uh, and, and how they continue to pursue their art. But it, it also sounds like it requires some creativity on your part to, to stitch together these, these video clips that are shot by, by the artists themselves. Yes, yeah, so this one and another story that we'll talk about in a bit, the Ledyard music story. So these are going to be the first that I can think of, the first two stories that I've put together that were completely, every second of the video footage is shot by the subject of the of the of the story. Um, so, it, you know, I, I don't have all of the, the variety of shots or angles. I don't have control over the lighting and the sound. Um, so, you know, I still want to put together, I, I want to put together a story that is going to engage people that you're going to want to watch and listen to from start to finish. And so it requires a little bit more creativity in the editing process and kind of figuring out how to mix in the visuals and the music and the sound when you don't, don't have as much variety as you, you would if a professional video journalist was shooting the story. So in addition to you having to be a little bit more creative with um, how you put together stories and, and some of these kind of lengths that you have to go to, these precautions that you, ha- you have to take to when you interview people on the field, we also have our our photographers shooting more video, trying to, to at least bring the sound and the visuals of some of these um, community uh, happenings that are, that are going on during the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about what uh, Sarah and Dana have been doing? So all of our photographers have Nikon SLR cameras that can shoot photos and capture video. Uh, it's a hard thing to do both on the same assignment. So a lot of times we will combine a- and we'll have a still photographer and a videographer both on the same story. Um, for a number of reasons, like that is not always logistically possible, especially now when we're trying to minimize contact with other, with other people. So Sarah and Dana have done a nice job when they're out on a photo assignment trying to figure out you know, how can we use video and audio as a way to give give an additional or different kind of glimpse into these moments that they're capturing. One of the great examples was Sarah went out with a woman who has a therapy dog who in the past would take them to do one-on-one visits at nursing homes. 
And so she can't have that close contact with the residents anymore, but she was still going and visiting and bringing the dog to greet people through the windows and really bring a smile to people's faces. And those are great photographs, but it was also really nice to sort of see and hear the reaction and, and experience those moments for yourself I via video. I could see going three months, three weeks, anytime without these people seeing Duke, who they plan on three times a week to see and to go that long without seeing Duke, and they've already had so much taken away. I did not want that taken away, too. So we started the window-to-window -window visits. Oh, good doggy. Another logistical issue that we run into, whereas in the past, Sarah and Dana might shoot some video clips and bring them back to me at the office, and I'll do the editing for them. Now they have to either drive across town and drop them off for me or, or drop something off at the office and I have to go pick up or transmit via uh, like Dropbox or a cloud sharing service. So Dana was out uh, um, photographing a, a parade of teachers in Waterford going to wave to their students and sent me some video files and I put together a little video package for her. Uh, but, you know, we have to figure out how to g get those files back and forth now, where in the past it was, it was a lot easier seeing your colleagues face-to-face. -face. Right. So it's a new kind of uh, collaboration um, methods that we're trying to figure out, uh, I think, across the newsroom. Um, so talk to me uh, about the story that you just um, published about the Ledger High School um, music instructors and students and, and what they're doing, uh, doing during this crisis to... to pursue their music to, to, um, to express themselves? This fall, I started following the Ledyard High School band director on Twitter uh, because we, in the course of covering football games, you come across the high school marching bands. And so I started following him on Twitter. And after the school shut down, I started seeing him sending out videos of some of his students who had used this app called Acapella. And the app allows you to record, do a, a multi-track, multi-video recording of yourself playing all the parts of a single song, basically turning yourself into a, uh, if you're a vocalist, turning yourself into an acapella group via a video, or if you're an instrumentalist, playing all the different parts of one song. And so I thought that was just like a cool thing, a really novel use of technology, and a, like a nice way to brighten your day, to see these things come across your Twitter feed that's normally full of coronavirus news. Um, then someone shared with me a video of their chamber choir. So with all 20 members of the chamber choir singing their individual parts of a Billy Joel song, And So It Goes, so they, they each recorded themselves doing their individual part, send them to the choir director who mixed the video, mixed the audio, and put it out. And the end result, I mean, it sounds like you are in the room with a chamber choir. It, it, it's, it's really, it's a stunning piece of music. The words of the music and the music itself speaks to people and connects and puts a smile on people's faces, even though people are kind of so, right like, I just wanted to talk to them about how they are, one, how they've had to adjust teaching music. You know, that's something that you usually do face-to-face, -face, and doing it remotely is difficult. Um, but also just, like, how they're using music and these new forms of technology to 
to connect with each other and connect with an audience through music. And, and so I did four separate Zoom video calls with two instructors and eight students. And again, had them all record video of themselves during the interview, sent that all to me, sent me their video files of their different acapella performances, um, and, and combined that into a, a single story. And it's just really, it's, I think beyond the sort of novel use of technology, it was just like, it was a nice window into the lives of, of these students and these teachers and how they're coping with being home alone and not getting to right, see their classmates right. and their, their bandmates and really how, how important music is in their lives as a way to express themselves and a way to, to connect with other people. Yeah, that's fantastic. It looks great. It sounds great. Like you said, the, the, the use of, of technology is, is a great example of how to use technology to kind of uh, still connect with, uh, with your peers. Well, thank you for your time, Peter. I hope that soon, uh, talking about connecting, I hope we can all connect in, in the newsroom soon in person uh, and not just through Zoom calls. I hope you and your family keep stay safe, and, and I'm looking forward to the, the video stories that you continue to tell for the day. All right. Thanks, Carlos. It was nice talking to you. And here's audio from that story about the Ledger High School music program. Music is, for me, the closest thing to magic, real magic, that I've experienced in my life because it makes us feel things. It can either help us feel deeper, the feeling that we need to feel at that time. It can also change our emotions. So if we are feeling sad but want to be happier, music can help with that. If we are feeling sad and we want to feel sad because we need to, that is okay too. And uh, you know, grieving through this is healthy and important. We were preparing for a concert on March 28th, which was our um, scholarship concert. We award two scholarships um, for students who have passed away in the past, and all the money is raised for those scholarships, so we weren't able to do that. We had a concert scheduled for March 12th, and it was the whole district. We had the fifth graders coming up. We had the middle school kids coming up to play with us. We found out the day of that concert on March 12th that it wasn't going to be able to happen. And our top two ensembles were preparing for a choir tour to Philadelphia, which we're supposed to be on right now. Um, we are not. <laughs> we're trying to continue to make art and music a positive reason to come to school. So we offered them some apps, some ways to make music, and said, go explore, do, and they kind of took off with it. I did this video with my dad, it was just a duet. My dad's a uh, musician, he plays tuba for the Coast Guard Band, and um, we play together sometimes, and so we decided to make a video. So I started with a simple thing that I arranged a little while ago, for, uh, Lion Sleeps Tonight, and that was a lot of fun. I was on uh, Twitter and I was seeing that a lot of the band kids were using the acapella app and I thought it was so cool. I was like, I want to try this with a choir song. So then I just looked through some of my old music and I just picked one that was just really special to me. It was a way to like keep choir in my life as much as I could. Zach and I really emphasize being an independent musician and this closure has really showed us that our kids are doing that because we didn't really give them any guidelines. We just said, these resources are here for you. Let's see what you can do. And they just started populating our Twitter feed with these great videos of them 
making music with themselves or with their parents or even virtually with their friends. And it inspired us to do the same. So Zach and I started collaborating online. How far do I have to go Then we said, well, if we're gonna be out for a while, we really need our ensembles to be together. They wanted to be together. Our community wanted to see us together. So we've been working hard to make sure that our kids have had a chance to collaborate. It's definitely not the same as being in front of an audience or being with people in choir, because it's really a really cool experience to hear everyone else's voice with yours. I miss seeing everyone. I miss playing in the ensemble. But I think doing all this through Twitter is like connecting everyone more. It's almost like encouragement, sort of, you know, like knowing that I'm not the only one doing this and we're kind of all doing it together. In times like this, music is something we need. It's a way for us to escape and express how we're feeling. I will take your It's hard to not focus on the bad in the world, especially in a crisis like this. Um, and when we do have music and the beauty of it and the words in it, it really speaks to people. In the song that we did in our virtual choir, part of the words are, I would choose to be with you if the choice were mine to make. Um, and that's something that we would all choose if we could. words of the music and the music itself speaks to people and connects and puts a smile on people's faces even though people are kind of sad right now. <laughs> it has been a, a very large joy in a hard time to see not only what kind of music kids are making but how many people are happy to see it and inspired by it. I find it extremely therapeutic for me and what we're seeing in the the online community right now um, for both our students and the folks who are checking out these videos is that it's certainly meaningful for them, whether it's brightening their day, brightening their mood, or helping them uh, you know, manage the emotions that, that are natural right now. The Days Newsroom continues to work hard through this crisis. We are mostly working remotely, but we continue to report on vital information for the southeastern Connecticut region. Now, more than ever, we need your support to continue and enhance our coverage. You can subscribe at theday.com slash subscribe. And now you can make a one-time tax-deductible donation at theday.com slash local news fund. <laughs>